Hello, welcome to the Mindful Motherhood Podcast. I invite you to stop, breathe, and mindfully explore ways to better understand and manage the daily struggles of motherhood. I'm your host, Maggie Metz. Today, we're going to continue our Seasons of Motherhood series with a brief mindfulness exercise and a conversation with Amy Beagle about the teenage years of motherhood. I invite you now to practice a mindful reflection. If you are able, find a comfortable seated position. Roll your shoulders up, back, and down away from your ears. Close your eyes. Now begin taking deep cycles of breath, inhaling through your nose, and exhaling through your nose. Do your best to maintain these deep cycles of breath throughout the exercise. Today we're going to reflect on the teenage years of motherhood. Whether you are currently in this season, far removed from it, or haven't yet reached it, surely you know of someone who has. Feel free to bring to mind a niece, nephew, or a friend's teenager. Picture those lengthening features, the late nights of practice that turn into early mornings rushing them off to school, and the eye rolling as you try to help them navigate a messy friendship. Mindfully recall the dinners gone cold waiting for them to get home from the game the family game nights, movie nights, and the late nights chatting about any and every topic they are willing to dive into, where you suddenly realize you actually raised one of your very best friends. Maintain deep cycles of breath as you continue reflecting on this special time in life, a time when the world is expanding rapidly and time seems to move faster and faster with each passing day. A time when you, beautiful mama, are now potentially only seldom the one from whom they seek comfort and soothing and familiarity in times of difficulty. Reflect on the last first days of school and the graduations, and the college visits, and all the nuances that wash over this season, creating such a bittersweet space in which to live for such a short time. Picture your young adult cycling through emotions like they're going out of style, smiling, and laughing, and crying, and screaming 
and canceling family nights because they were invited to Susie's house for a sleepover. And the horror of the first time they call you a bad word because they aren't allowed to go to Susie's sleepover because of the aforementioned eye rolling. No, it's not all pleasant in this season, but allow yourself to rest as you reflect on this season of big plans and big accomplishments and big emotions. Rest as you accept the good, the bad, and the ugly of this season, recognizing the fact that this bittersweet season of teenagerhood is here today and gone tomorrow, and you have the choice every single day to either focus on the hard or soak in the beauty. Notice any feelings and emotions that arise within as you continue to reflect on this season of so many lasts and also new beginnings. Continue deep breathing, inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your nose as you allow yourself to mindfully visit this bittersweet space with your teenager. Now start to bring awareness to your body. Notice how you feel seated in an upright position, the same position in which you started this exercise. Notice places where tension still resides, as well as places where tension might have been released. Gently and without any judgment at all, compare how you feel now to how you felt at the beginning of the practice. Hopefully, after practicing this mindful reflection, you find yourself feeling more calm, centered, and possibly even more connected to your child and their experience in this pivotal season, even if they are now 20 or 30 years old. Feel free to pause here and practice this mindful reflection for as long as you'd like. But when you're ready to move on, take one more deep cleansing breath and open your eyes to a soft gaze. This mindfulness exercise is a way to reflect on the teenage years. It provides us with a unique opportunity to mindfully explore our teenagers with an open mind, whether you've not yet encountered this stage, or you're in the midst of it, or you're well past it and thanking your lucky stars that those days have come and gone. To allow yourself to recognize the good, the bad, and the ugly of this season and to accept it all as an equally important part of the journey of motherhood.
Today we have Amy Beagle with us to talk about her journey through the teenage years of motherhood. Amy is mama to two amazing teenagers and wife of 23 years to a gentle giant who is executive director of a local division of Youth for Christ. Amy has been the executive pastor at the River Church in Marion, Indiana for the last six years. But before that, she was a licensed clinical social worker for 16 years. In her spare time, she loves reading her Bible in a quaint coffee shop. Running, she's actually completed five full marathons. And she also enjoys watching her kids play sports. Amy's favorite drink is a very berry hibiscus Starbucks refresher. Her favorite fictional character is Wonder Woman because she is tough and a fighter, but also helpful. Amy is a bold, brave, beautiful woman, and I'm so blessed to know her in real life. I'm certain the words that she has to offer will be a blessing to you today. So, without further ado, Amy, welcome to the Mindful Motherhood podcast. Thanks for having me. I am excited. I joked with a couple of my friends who are also raising teenagers and mm. said, I hope I say something smart because you know we're all just figuring this out as we go along. Yes, yes. Well, we had a conversation earlier today, actually, and um, I'm just really excited for what you have to say because I think there's a lot of wisdom up in that head that I am just <laughs> super excited to Well, good. I hope, I hope it's helpful. I know that there's things that seem normal to me or things I'm trying to figure out that may mm-hmm. be new ideas to other people. Mm-hmm. So yes. I'm sure there'll be something for someone. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your motherhood journey thus far? Okay. My husband and I were actually married for a number of years before we had kids. Mm -hmm. So I think it was about six and a half years before we got pregnant for the first time. And we actually miscarried. And it was one of those situations where I told people and everybody knew we had quite the celebration. And then right at the end of my first trimester, Mm -hmm. I miscarried. And so it was difficult and it created actually some anxiety inside Mm -hmm. of me. Not just about the miscarriage, but about the future yeah. because it was my first pregnancy. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to have mm-hmm. um, kids. It took a little right. bit to get pregnant again after that. And then we had our son who is now mm-hmm. 17 and a junior. Mm-hmm. And um, then a few years later, we had our daughter um, who is 13 and an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as my um, journey goes, one of the best things actually for us is that we weren't the first in our friend group to have kids. Mm -hmm. And so we spent a number of years just watching our friends raise their kids Mm -hmm. and picking up all the things that we thought they were doing right and just trying to learn from them Mm -hmm. and absorb everything we could from our friends that were ahead of us in life. By the time we had our first, they were on their second, some of them on their third mm-hmm. um, child. And so I had great resources to ask. And yeah. I think that was another good thing is that I learned right away. Just ask. Mm-hmm. I don't have to pretend like I have it all figured out right. that use the people that are in my life as resources. Mm-hmm. And so I just never felt intimidated to not know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I kind of assumed that was normal. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yes, I think it is. If we, ad- so, if we admit it. <laughs> yeah. And so I just asked a lot of people, everyone from my mom to friends that were mm-hmm. in the same stage of life, 
friends that were ahead of me and even friends that didn't have kids, mm-hmm. I would ask things like, does yeah. this seem crazy to you or does this seem like a great idea to you? Yeah. Um, so I just learned to talk about parenting mm-hmm. um, and and expect myself to be in the learning process the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah, that's so good. So what have you found to be some of the greatest difficulties navigating the teenage years with your children? I think the teenage years, the stakes feel so much higher. Mm -hmm. I think in the other years, you don't know what you're doing and (laughs) you recognize you don't know what you're doing, but it doesn't seem as critical Mm -hmm. to really get it figured out Mm -hmm. as it does in the teenage years. Mm -hmm. When you're sending them off with friends in cars and you're trying to decide how well do I know that other person that's driving the car? Or even when it's your own child driving, how well do I really trust them Mm -hmm. to be safe and be smart? Yeah. The stakes just seem higher. The the errors that can be made seem like they can cause a person to go potentially really down a a long road that would be hard for them to recover from or Mm -hmm. the ripple effects seem more dangerous. And Mm so I think it's funny when you have young kids, you, you don't realize that the, the stakes really aren't quite as high. I remember just making a big deal out of things like my kid is a biter or feeling like it was a big deal. If um, Mm. one of our kids, whenever they would have a friend over like every single time there would be a meltdown. And I would think (laughs) you're never going to learn how to make friends (laughs) when in reality, like, that was just their current struggle to yeah. figure out how to manage their emotions. But that was really going to work itself out. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, if you date the wrong person out the gate, you could learn a lot of wrong things. And right. you could set yourself up for a series of mm-hmm. wrong dating rela- or unhealthy dating relationships, sure. I guess is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. And so everything just feels so much more high stakes in the yeah. teenage years. And it's hard to not feel the pressure. Mm-hmm. And still just recognize you're just got to do the best you can in the moment with the knowledge you have. Yeah, no, that totally sounds understandable that the stakes would feel a lot higher. And I think kind of what I'm hearing you say in that is that it's more on them. So like there's more responsibility on them. And so maybe some of it is a little more out of your control than it used to be, which is kind of scary. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I think even the moments get less and less. All of a sudden, it's like you did not see it coming. I mean, you mm-hmm. you see it coming, but you really don't see it coming as rapidly as it happens. Yeah. So you know, like there's all these big conversations you intend to have and mm-hmm. there's these big life lessons you intend to teach and model mm-hmm. and and navigate through all these and then you realize like, oh, that's just going to get captured in this this quick little conversation here and mm-hmm. this maybe secondary conversation there and and I'm hoping that They've learned enough along the way to take those little moments and do the right thing with those little moments because they're so much more on their own. Right. So, yeah, Yeah. it's a lot of trust. And um, and I think you could just drive yourself nuts. You could really run yourself ragged. Mm. Second guessing everything you've ever done. And I I don't want to live there. Yes. Like there's no good that comes from that. No. And I think the the difficulty, too, is just like trusting like trying really hard to let go Mm -hmm. and realize that it's really their life. Right. So if they do take some of those wrong paths, it's going to be their journey. Right. Not mine. Mm -hmm. And so the things they become passionate about, the things that they find to be trouble spots, Mm -hmm. it's really their journey. So letting go and letting them take their steps on Mm -hmm. their journey 
is part of it too. Mm. Which for me as a, a mother of a three and a half and five year old just feels so scary. And like, mm-hmm. I just want to bask in every day that I have <laughs> with them as children because that day is going to come where I have to let go and let them do their thing and hope they do what I would want them to do and they won't always. Right. So it's even good for me and probably other moms of younger children to hear from a much wiser mother who's down the road a little ways <laughs> oh and, and just to, I don't know, even kind of mentally prepare herself just a little yeah. bit for what that might be like. So. I did have a friend say once, she said, you know, it's not our job to raise good kids. At the end of the day, mm. if if they graduate high school and we raised a good kid, we failed. Mm. She said, it's our job to raise good adults. And wow. so I've had that in my head for a long time, too. Like yeah. it's, And so there are these moments where you're really wanting them to live like an adult. Like this is your moment. However, it turns out I'm going to give you this freedom to mm-hmm. make this decision, even though I'm tempted to like just clamp down and mm-hmm. make the decisions for you. Right. So it's just navigating all of that. Yeah. I think is it's difficult to know. There's no right way to do it. And so you just have to take the journey and hope that what you're doing is right for that moment mm-hmm. for that child. Yes. Yes. That's so good. Such a good reminder. What have you found helpful as you've journeyed through the teenage years of motherhood? And what have been some of the things that have gotten you through the hard days? I think one of the best things my husband and I did, and it really stemmed from having kids later than our friends, mm-hmm. is we started talking about the next stage before we ever got to that stage. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been one of the smartest and most helpful things we've done. And I think it's prevented us from some arguments. Perhaps I think mm-hmm. it has and gotten us on the same page before we needed to desperately be on the same page. Yeah. So I think one of the most helpful things with teenagers is we've been watching people parent teenagers for a lot of years now. Mm-hmm. So we've collected a lot of great ideas from the friends and the people around us that we thought were stellar ideas and mm-hmm. things that we were like, that seems like a great way to handle something, a mm-hmm. great way to approach something. So let's do that. Sure. So I think we find ourselves on the same page and we have really tried to think of things before we get there. Mm-hmm. That's been so, so helpful. Yeah. I think even just thinking about that for me, like I want to start doing that today, like talking yeah. about the next season, Yep. which for us would be kind of like the childhood years and what that might look like. And even though we might not get the nail on the head with it and there mm-hmm. might be things that change to just have for somebody like me, I'm a verbal processor to even have verbally processed right. that to an extent, I think would be helpful and ease some of the anxieties that I have about that next stage. Well, it's funny now that we're talking. So our son is midway through his junior year right now. And Mm -hmm. I just heard another mom who has a son in college. And she mentioned that, you know, she sent him food. And I was like, how do you send food these days in college? Like, what does she mean? I don't know what she means. I'm going to have to ask her what she meant by that. (laughs) Because I'm already like thinking about college years. And we've talked about like, When they bring home that person that they're in love with, Mm -hmm. like, how do we start that? How do we start that relationship off on the right foot? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? And so we are already talking about the stage when they're no longer Mm -hmm. in our house because that's the next stage. Um, But that's okay. I like that we are we're trying our best. I think we're putting our best foot forward. We're definitely going to mess some things up, but Mm -hmm. we're really trying to always be thinking ahead and talking Mm -hmm. ahead. I think that's been probably our best. That's the best thing we've brought to parenting. Mm -hmm. Steal other people's good ideas. Well, no. (laughs) And what I'm hearing you say, all that I keep thinking is 
how intentional you are. Mm. Just intentionality to plan ahead. But it's not just planning every move to perfection. No. It's just you intentionally mindfully exploring that next stage right. and what it might look like right. with your husband together, kind of laying out what that next stage might look like and hopefully landing somewhere right. on the same page, Yeah, which is so beautiful. And I aspire to do that with Micah. Yeah, I say do it because there's lots of great people to watch mm-hmm. and it gives you great conversations to have. Yeah. And I don't think they're in the crisis moments then. It is so much more intentional. Yeah. It's beautiful. Amy, what are some resources and or words of encouragement that you can offer other mamas traversing the teenage years of motherhood? I think one of the most important things for us to do is to be humble and to have authentic conversations. Mm -hmm. Lots of them. Just authenticity with Mm -hmm. other people. Yeah. There's great books out there. One of the best books that we read at the beginning with our son was a book by Dr. Kevin Lehman, who's a Christian psychologist, Mm -hmm. and it's called Planet Middle School. Okay. And I really recommend that. We shared it with a lot of our friends. It was just some of it I felt like was affirmation of like, oh, that was common sense in my head. Mm -hmm. But now I know it's really important. So don't minimize that. Like, make sure I do that. Okay. And so I think that book was a great starter when our first and we reread it again than when our daughter was Mm -hmm. hitting that age uh, because they're different. They're different people. uh, They're different genders. Mm -hmm. So we reread it. But I think that was a great book to get us started. Planet Middle School. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Planet Middle School by Dr. Kevin Lehman. It was just a great book. I'm sure there's lots of other great books out there, but yeah. I think probably the best thing for us has been having conversations and we learned some things. Some are like just gold nuggets. So one of the gold nuggets that we took from someone else that we've tailored mm-hmm. for us and done it a little bit differently, I'd love to share just because I think it's so gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, we really think that It's important for us to have authentic conversations. And I heard the statistic, or I don't really actually have the statistic. I heard this said that so often as parents, if we're believers and people of faith, Mm -hmm. we may take our kids to church. We may teach them how to be generous. We may teach them how to read their Bible. And these are all really important things that we should definitely be teaching them. Mm -hmm. However, they are in most regards, religious routines or habits structures within the faith mm-hmm. and then our kids are often the last to ever hear about why we choose to be people of faith so i say a lot of times like the whole world needs a savior but why does amy beagle need a savior mm. if i'm sharing that with other people but not sharing that with my kids if they don't know why i amy beagle needs a savior mm-hmm. i feel like i'm doing them a disservice right so we heard this concept that you know most Christian parents are afraid Mm -hmm. to share their shortcomings, Mm -hmm. their sin, the reasons they need a savior, their testimony. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to share it with their kids because they don't want to lose their kids' respect. Yes. They don't want their kids to, they don't want to tarnish their image with their own kids. Mm -hmm. And so we just were like, no, we don't want Mm -hmm. that to be our story. We want our kids to really know us. Yeah. And there's got to come a point where that's a healthy thing for Mm -hmm. them to know us. And so we took this idea, changed it a little bit, but um, on our son's 14th birthday, he had the normal birthday, the cake, the present, the things he 
wanted to get for a present were given to him. Sure. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, we had this moment just on, on his bed where we handed him another box. And in the box were nine different books that we had selected really for him. And we told him we wanted to pick, wanted him to pick six of the nine books that over mm-hmm. the course of the next year, we wanted him to read six of these books. And he got mm-hmm. to pick which six. I'll talk a little bit about the books in a minute, but the books were important topics that we wanted him to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. So at the end of each book, we wanted him to tell us and we would have a little conversation. Sometimes those happened over because of who he is. They happened at Buffalo Wild Wings over (laughs) wings. (laughs) Sometimes they happened at a pizza place. Sometimes they happened on our couch Mm -hmm. and we just talked about the book. Mm -hmm. And it might be a 20 minute conversation one time and another time might be two or three different series of conversations about a book. And the quote unquote reward for reading all the books was that at the end he got to pick a trip to go anywhere with his dad. Um, And so he was going to get to go on a trip somewhere that he got to decide what he wanted to do. But the whole point of that trip is that it created a space and a moment where um, my husband could then share his testimony Mm -hmm. with our son. Yeah. So he could tell him why he needed a savior. So he could learn that man's side Mm -hmm. of specifically you know, some of the great things and decisions he had made, but also some of the poor decisions he had made. And we really valued that both of us are the kind of people that we are drawn to authenticity Mm -hmm. and that's who we are. If we're in your life, we're going to be our authentic selves. (laughs) And so we didn't want to withhold that from our kids. Mm. And so our son is a basketball fanatic. And so he picked to go to Duke University basketball camp Mm -hmm. and that was his event for the week and so they stayed in a hotel um he would go to camp during the day and at night they stayed in a hotel went to dinner and they had the drive there and the drive back and all those dinners to have Mm -hmm. a variety of conversations and in those conversations my husband got really real and Mm -hmm. shared with him some of the mistakes he'd made why he came to faith why he believes that you know god is who he says he is and what he's done in his life and then also they had conversations about the fact that he was getting older because now at this point he was almost Mm -hmm. 15. And so we're going to start treating you differently. We're going to start giving you more say in some of the decisions. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like from this point forward, you are now a man. Yeah. It wasn't quite there. We were ready to say that at 15, (laughs) Um, but it was more like, we're going to ask your opinion on things Mm -hmm. more and more. Now we're going to give you freedom to make some mistakes Mm -hmm. more and more. Now we're going to give you a foundation of trust until you give us a reason not to trust you. Right. It was the beginning of like, we want you to see yourself more and more as an adult and less and less like a kid. Mm -hmm. That teenager world is such a no man's land. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not really a kid. Yeah. I'm also not really an adult. So how do I really want to be treated? Well, sometimes I want to be a kid. I don't want you to give me responsibilities. I don't want you to tell me that you expect me to actually be part of this team and do something Mm -hmm. in the family that requires work Mm -hmm. but on the other hand it's like i want you to treat me like an adult like let me have the keys to the car and go where i want to go and spend the money like i want to spend the money right and so they're really in between and so we just wanted him to start seeing himself as an adult and our daughter is at the age where she's about to have this experience Mm -hmm. but we'll do the same thing with her and Mm -hmm. i think that was such a golden idea Mm -hmm. from someone else and we we love the reason behind it yeah so we tailored it to fit our family so some things like that i think are what you get when you have vulnerable conversations Mm -hmm. with other people. Yeah, I love that whole strategy and plan. And um, I think that is so valuable to build that into their teenage years. Mm -hmm. And whether it's reading books or watching a movie or 
right. I don't know, whatever resource it is that you feel like will speak to your child because you know your child better than right. anybody else. So kind of putting it on them to explore some of those topics, knowing there's a reward after, but then even weaving into the reward, another point of connection where you then get to share part of your story with them, which I think Mm -hmm. is also so helpful. And I love authenticity Mm -hmm. and vulnerability as well. And so I really think we can rob our children of Mm -hmm. seeing who we are and knowing our heart and It makes me really sad to think that we would ever get the idea that they wouldn't want to know us. Right. That we would have to be guarded and not share the sin in our life that Mm -hmm. we have overcome through knowing Jesus. Like that we would just pretend it's always been easy. Exactly. It's easy. Just don't do it and you'll be fine. Like we set them up for failure. I think when we pretend we were perfect. Right. Because then they're going to experience so much shame Mm -hmm. when they look at themselves and realize they're not perfect. Right. And so I think with teenagers, they just crave real relationships, but Mm -hmm. they don't know how to make those happen. Right. Yeah. I feel like you are intentional again, intentional about helping to guide them through navigating how to get real in Mm -hmm. conversations and how to be authentic and modeling that is one of the very best things you can do from my perspective with your Mm -hmm. teenager. I mean, I think that's all I wanted when I was a teenager. Like if I could have voiced it, if I could have conceptualized and put into words the deepest desires of my heart, I think it would just be somebody to be real with me, to sit me down Mm -hmm. and say, hey, I have failed Mm -hmm. in the past and here's what it taught me and here's where I am now and you can be the same way and Mm -hmm. I'm cool. Like I'm an adult now and I failed in this way when I was a teen, but like it's okay if you do too and I'm here if if and when you do and Mm -hmm. I think that's the most beautiful thing you can offer. I think what people are afraid of is they're afraid they'll give them permission to keep failing. Mm. But I think really what they need to know is that it's permission to fail and then recover. Right. Yes. I think how you posture yourself as you're speaking with them. Yeah. And then kind of a message of overcoming Mm -hmm. can be, you know, like, yes, like, let's not just tell them all the bad things we've ever done and said, say it's okay. Just a blanket. It's okay if you do all the bad things that I did. Right. But a posture of... I think almost when you're sharing about the mistake of like shame and and like, I really regret that I wouldn't do this again, but here's how I've overcome it. And here, here's how it's been redeemed. And, right. you know, that can be a, a beautiful thing to share. Yeah. One of the books we had um, in the box that our son read was a book called Weird mm-hmm. by Craig Groeschel. And he talks about how to live effectively under the Lord. We're going to be weird. There's going to be mm-hmm. some things about us that are going to be weird. And that was really important for, I think, a teenager to have permission to be different because Mm -hmm. we just want to blend in, be the same, be liked, be approved by everybody. And that seems like be the same, be the same, be the same. That's Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. And so not different for the sake of like stubbornness. And I think you have to tune in and listen to your kids. But one of the things we did is we were one of the absolute last ones to give our son a cell phone. Mm. Like out of his friend group, he only knew of two other kids who didn't have a phone when he still didn't have a phone sure there was just so it was like access to so many things we didn't want to give him access to it wasn't because he wasn't trustworthy it's interesting in preparing to speak on this podcast I asked 
our son, like, what do you think we did right? And so I specifically asked about the phone. Yeah. Because when he was waiting to have his phone, we probably had two or three conversations where he would ask, well, when will I get it? Mm-hmm. Problem is, he was the first kid. So <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> You're not quite sure. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't have an answer. And so yeah. I, I feel bad for him in that. But he says now, like, I'm glad mm-hmm. I think it was the right decision. I mean, now he's a junior. Wow. I was like impressed that he said that because I yeah. thought he might want to dig his heels in. And this <laughs> is his point, his chance to prove his parents wrong. Yeah. But he was like, no, I think it was good that I didn't have it until then. Mm. But I will say we had no deadline. We had no, he was first kid. We had no idea when we were going to give him the phone. Mm-mm. And so there was this point, too, when we had to tune in and hear him. I remember I was outside with him rebounding for him because it was the time when I could just be with him and we could be having fun. Or sometimes he would get to talking about something. And so he loves basketball. So he yeah. was shooting and I was rebounding and he brought up the phone again. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mom, have I done something that's made you guys not trust me? And I remember oh. that night I went right into my husband and I was like, Okay, it's turned a corner. Mm. I feel like now he's second guessing himself. I think it's time to get the phone. Yeah. <laughs> so we had this. So uh, you felt that, and you, I did. You heard that, and yeah, that was a sign for you. Yeah. That, okay. I was like, you it's know, time now. Now the time it differently. Yeah. He's yeah. now asking if he's done something wrong, wow. and I was like, he's either going to turn the corner and get bitter at us, like sure. we've, it's gone long enough now. Mm. Um, that he's going to turn the corner and get bitter mm-hmm. or he's really s- going to second guess who he is mm-hmm. or second guess who we are. And so now I think with his sister, she's currently in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. What's been better for her is she just knows it's end of eighth grade. Yep. And so she really has not asked. Mm-hmm. And really, when you think about technology, it's been three and a half years difference between the two kids. Yeah. Most kids are getting phones even earlier because Right. Technology moves so fast. Three yes. years is a long gap. It is. Like we probably could have, in order to be really <laughs> equitable and fair, we could have given her her phone like maybe end of seventh grade. Yeah. But it's not been an issue because mm-hmm. she just knows when it's happening. Yeah. So I think if we could go back, we would have made a decision, but we didn't know what our decision was. Yeah, but but I think okay. what was good is that he was vulnerable mm-hmm. and I we heard that and we adjusted our parenting to mm-hmm. not to make him happy because quite honestly, he wanted the phone way before that right making him happy would have been giving him the phone way back in like fifth and sixth grade as soon as the first person had one if he could have been the second one to have one that would have been amazing right you know mm. um it was not making him happy but it was about keeping our bond mm-hmm. where he knew okay this isn't about you bud yeah this was about the world and about the like the junk in the world yes that's why you don't have a phone right but if you're now starting to wonder if it's about you Okay, here we go. And so we just put the parameters on, did the best we could with the whole technology war that we find ourselves in. So So what it sounds like to me is that it sounds like you know him really well, because for you to know his heart enough that he could just say, because I might not think that much of him saying to you, is there something I've done wrong that makes me not have one? Mm hmm. That shows connection mm-hmm. and knowing full well who mm-hmm. he is and his heart. And I really admire that. Yeah. I mean, I think with teenagers, there's always moments where you're like, am I getting bamboozled? Like, <laughs> do I know you as well as I think you? I know you. Right. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, they have a need for privacy, too. Sure. So there's probably some things I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do think that moment was me knowing I could hear it in his tone, yeah. tell it in his body language. 
Mm-hmm. And then just as wordy and like, okay, it's time for us now to move on this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just important to have those vulnerable conversations, whether mm-hmm. I'm having them with my friends, I'm having them with mentors. Yeah. I'm having them with my kids. Right. And then trying to set the stage where they'll have those back mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you the best setup mm-hmm. to parent teenagers. Yes. And also read a lot of books. <laughs> Read, read, read. <laughs> and in this day and age, uh, listen to a lot of podcasts mm. and, you know, find what you can find. Yeah. Especially if your kid is struggling with a certain issue and mm-hmm. they all will. So read up on what it is that you think you need to be best prepared for. Mm-hmm. Amy, thank you so much for chatting with me today and for sharing a little piece of your motherhood journey. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We're all in progress. Mm. And so I know I'm still there, too. But I really hope and trust that there's mm-hmm. something for um, the listeners to gain. Yes. And it's an honor to be here and speak for all the moms <laughs> of teenagers trying to figure it out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for listening and for taking the time to pause and turn inward today. It is so important to remember to take care of yourself in the midst of caring for everyone else. A special thanks to Amy for being willing to share with us about her journey of motherhood. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss a single mindful moment. Until next time, be mindful, mama.